Craft Beer Radio, episode 204 on February 8th, 2012. Craft Beer Radio, coming soon in 3D. That is a little inside, Greg, but <laughs> go on YouTube and look for the Star Wars Episode 1 Kids, Kids Featurette. featurette. And then look for the Star Wars Episode 3 Kids Featurette. Parody. Right. Okay. Alrighty. So we have some beers here tonight, because that's the kind of thing we do. That's what we do here. On Craft Beer Radio 3D. And uh, so we got a, a new Pittsburgh brewery here called Dry Log Brewing Company. They're in Millville, Pennsylvania. Now, Dry Log is spelled interestingly. Um, very Gaelic. D-R-A-A-I-L-A-A-G. Yeah. So the beer here we have is as no, there's no Z. Arius, Arius. There's an angel on the front. Uh, triple fermented ale aged on lees, and it is nail brewed with orange peel and vanilla bean. So it's kind of a a wit beer with vanilla triple fermented. So yeah. Hmm. Now warning here: it says it it unlocks all of its secrets at cellar temperature. This okay. is not cellar temperature. Well, it hasn't been in the fridge for too long, because I just... Oh, you know, it was in the fridge at, at Three Suns, or one for the road, too. So, we may have to do some uh, warming exercises yeah. on this beer. So, tell me a little bit about Dry Log, since you it's, got It's uh, 8% alcohol by volume. Recommended serving temperature, 48 to 55 degrees. This is actually probably in the high 30s right now, right? Yeah, so we'll have to warm it up a little bit. Um, doesn't really have much information besides marketing speak. Golden with a rocky white head. What about the brewery themselves? They are relatively new. Let's see. Um, just across the Allegheny River from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The first brewery to call Millville home since 1845. It's a long time. Yeah. The the label is interesting because it's got uh, a dude with like wings, a dude in in a kind of mock toga. I'm sure, he's some kind of angel. We don't have, I don't see the history here, but you can follow them on Twitter, which I shall do, but not right now because I'm on the air. Okay, the beer pours. Um, it's a, a straw color, but it's a little, little on the muddy side. But it is that triple fermented ale on lee, so definitely not filtered or anything. But it is a, it is a cloudy, muddy beer. The iris was a gold coin of ancient Rome's, of ancient Rome valued at twenty-five silver denarii. Okay, there you go. So that's where that comes from. Oh, there's also a Saint R is a Bishop of Mainz martyred in the 5th century. Click on the R dedication link and look at the photo there. There's two hands holding a bunch of fresh hops, but look how dirty those hands are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... It, <laughs> it's that's unusual. Not, well, I mean, someone could have been just been going through all the malt, right, and got his hands dirty. It could have been. Malt. I mean, it's like, I think they're trying to say, you know, we're a hard-working brewery, but... Come on, you're holding foodstuffs there, and it looks like you've been playing in the dirt. Well, if those are just going to go into a boil, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. 
just the pictures are a little unusual because look how green and fresh and bright the hops are and how maybe that's the contrast they were looking for but that's all marketing stuff let's talk about the beer yes you see there's vanilla in here vanilla bean yeah vanilla bean and orange peel you know I'm getting the this it has a bit of a wheat beer uh wit beer type aroma to it I'm not sure if I'm getting I think the orange peel is contributing to it, but yeah, I don't the, smell I'm getting some citrus, some yeah. citrus. Yeah, and vanilla not not necessarily getting. Although vanilla is not the most fragrant, mm-hmm. you know, definitely shows up in flavor, but it does not. It's not super fragrant. That's it. Interesting flavor. I mean, because it almost tastes like there's some other spice in there other than vanilla, like. Uh, not so much cor- maybe like some cardamom or mace or something. But yeah, I mean, get the uh, get mostly a wit beer type flavor. It does have that muddy, big full mouthfeel to it, you know. From all, you know, look how cloudy that beer is. Yeah, and it, it does taste like there's a lot of yeast still in suspension. Very full, creamy mouthfeel. Big carbonation on the beer, even with that full, creamy, muddy mouthfeel. It's still lots, very lively on the palate. Lots of zing. Lots of zip. I dig this. This is good. Interesting. I'm, I'm thinking of the vanilla filling out the edges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, as I, the second sip, I thought I tasted it a bit, so I think it might come in the more your tongue gets a palate, it uh, gets accustomed to some of the uh, citric flavors and it kind of starts digging into some of the nuance more. I didn't even know these guys were bottling. I just heard about them. I heard about them, but I didn't know they were open. And I saw an ad for them in one of those free, you know, city paper type weeklies. And an article about them that said they were open. I was like, really? So I tried Googling for them. Not being able to remember their num- their name because it's spelled weird. And I couldn't find anything. And then I saw this on the shelf at One for the Road today. I'm like, holy crap, they bottle their beer. Because <laughs> I, I didn't expect them to be... Like I said, I didn't even think they were open yet. I thought they were still in planning. And then I find out they're open. And then I find out their beers on the shelves. So, so I'm looking at Vanillin just just to be certain mm-hmm. of something, and it does contain um, an aromatic group. So it contains uh, basically it, uh, that benzene hydrocarbon. The um, the carbon ring, which makes, which is characteristic of aromatics. So, I suppose it does have some aroma. Okay. I, I'm enjoying this. It's pretty good. I think if it was a little less yeasty, right, it wouldn't have such a, that big muddy body. And I think it'd be a little bit, you know, a little bit cleaner tasting might, might help a little But I mean, in general, I can see how, Maybe some warming might bring out some of the extra flavors in here too. Yeah, I guess I should. I guess I should try to do that before I, uh, before you yeah. drink the whole thing. It's you know I I, I like the full mouth field has. I like the the chewiness you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the the flavors like you say it's a little muddied. And but, but you, you did a good job of decanting it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't ruin the beer. It just just seems compared to a lot of beers, it seems like one of those, you know, it's in the top ten percent of lots of yeast, very muddy mouthfeel. Hmm. 
like Jeff said, it's straw but not clear. There's um, I can't really see much in the way of particles coming around here, but it's just generally not very clear. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I, there's like an essence of vanilla there. If you didn't know, I don't think you'd really nail it down. And I'm still getting something that's kind of like mace. Actually, that sip it tastes a little cinnamony. Again, some other spices coming through. And uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting drink. I I will be keeping my eye out for more dry log beers if they're they're all on this. So triple fermented. Right. Fermented so, three times. Right. So you know, fermented in the bottle. Right, I presume is the last one. Let's see, make sure there's a big... Yeah, there's definitely lots of sediment in there. Uh, so the first two fermentations will be the primary primary fermentation. And it could be that they secondaried it, you know, in a bright tank or something. But maybe they croissant it too, right? Maybe they added some more unfermented wort to it, give it a secondary fermentation. Um, without having it described, and you said the beer page didn't describe that process. Yeah. I would suggest... I would. I would hope, I would like to think that they, they, they croissant it and got to ferment out some more, you know, some more unfermented, uh, you know, wort added to it. Here's a quote they have on their about page from Alexis D. Harting. You can't judge a beer by the reputation or some <coughs> sort of arbitrary score. It's how memorable the experience was that makes a beer good. I know who Alexis Harting is. She is the former owner of Country Wines. And wife of Ray Hartung, who was one of the president for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review or something like that. So this person must be a home brewer that is that knows or or went to country wines or something like that. Unless I'm confusing her with someone famous that's named Alexis Hartung. I don't think so. It seems a real, it seems a, not exactly a, well, it seems somewhat of an obscure quote. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have to look more into dry log, um, but, but I will be looking favorably for more beers from them. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to the small dogfish bottle here. This is, uh, we had beer club this week and I couldn't get enough box to buy 12 whole cases of box. It's a little early in the season to get some of them. Uh, so I had to fill it out, and I saw this new dogfish head beer, the Tweezanail. It's, uh, you know, it rhymes with seasonal. It's Tweezanail. And it's for between every season. So it's for between spring and summer, or between summer and fall, or between fall and winter, before win- or between winter and spring. It's a gluten-free beer yes. with sorghum, strawberries, buckwheat, and honey. So 6.0% alcohol by volume. Um, search through the muck and find the stuff. Um, Greg's mining for the gold. Wow. They, you know, they shove marketing speak all over the place. First hit shelves late January 2012. Be released four times a year. Labor intensive to make. Check out the process here. Okay, so they have strawberries, 
that they pulp. They have a whole thing of um, of animated GIFs okay. of, of their process. Oh, yeah. Go to the website. Check that out. So they have um, strawberries that they pulp. They're pouring in the pulp strawberries into the beer. And then they pour in molasses. And then that's it. <laughs> then they brew it and serve it. Okay, so it skips a couple things, like yes. the sorghum and the buckwheat and, and whatnot. Instead of molasses, is it honey by chance that they'd be adding? Or is it sorghum syrup? Or it says we mix syrup sorghum or? with our filtered water, then set the pump to recirculate the liquid out of the bottom of our bowl and back through an angled pipe on the bank. Okay. It creates a natural whirlpool effect, blah, blah, blah. We yeah. the sorghum in the hot water. Yeah, okay, so maybe if you're looking to recreate the recipe, but for, for the listeners... Not not that dark buckwheat honey. Okay. Oh, buckwheat honey. Oh, it does say buckwheat honey. I thought it was buckwheat and honey. So, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Ooh, that's a weird one. That's a nice aroma, actually. It has a fruity aroma. You know, the strawberries are coming through, but they're not really coming through like gross strawberries, candy, cloyingly sweet. They have a It's a very clear, pronounced amber color. Yeah, it's ridiculously clear, isn't it? Yeah. It's really filtered. And these glasses, the shape, at least this one's like a magnifying glass. Like, I can see all my fingerprints and everything. I can see you. <laughs> I like this aroma a lot. It's... Well, it's weirding me out a bit. There, oh, it's, it's potent. It's... Oh, how do I want to describe it? Because it is this strawberry honey aroma. Surprise. But it, it doesn't... It's not hot. It's not it's cloying. It's not... It's just like... It's right down the middle. It's like... I can't say anything bad about it. It's so engaging to me. They boil the beer in an open flame kettle to pick up additional caramel notes from the scorching that occurs in the bottom of the kettle. Okay. So instead of using like a steam or something that would keep it from scorching. Interesting. Hmm. Gonna have to really work on our vocabulary here. Bunch of new vocabulary we have to invent for describing a sorghum buckwheat honey strawberry beer. Um... Did you get that buckwheat honey flavor though? Yeah, I like think it so. Came through really strong towards the end. It, it's kind of honey-like, but it's it's a lot richer and maybe some of the caramelization they were talking about. But it's it's like caramel honey or something. I'd almost it's, compare it to like a pear mead. Um, it is very mead-like. Yeah, or wine, like sparkling wine type thing, like a, a very rustic sparkling wine, something with fruit, you know, in it. I mean, it definitely has the flavors of, of, of strawberry. There is that buckwheat, which is turning, making that honey not so sweet and, and giving it some some grassy depth. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's really unique, too, yeah. for, for, for honey. I've never had buckwheat honey straight, but it gives it such a richer, fuller, grassy, and, and caramelly, toffee, roasty, somewhere in there type flavor. The sorghum doesn't give you um, 
doesn't give you that full body that barley does. That's another reason that the spear has that mead type character too, because the yeah. mouthfeel is a thin one, not too thin. It's not watery. There's enough there, but it does taste like you're drinking a cider or something like that. The yeah, it, it, it's decidedly different from from most beers you'll have. It it, it has it, it doesn't taste ale like, doesn't taste lager like. It tastes like you said mead or cidery. I think cider. Really yeah. Too. I am digging it. I'm not sure I'm saying I'm not saying this beer is excellent or amazing, but I'm digging it. If beers go by memory, if beers go by how memorable they are, as opposed to where they chart, well, it's it goes by you know it, it's this a is a fun experience, it's yeah. a good experience. It's like this is cool. I mean, you know, up until now, my favorite gluten-free beer was Redbridge. I'd have to do Redbridge and this one side by side to see if I like the more classic flavors in the Redbridge or, you know, the more cidery, fruity flavors, honey flavors in this one because this one, drinking this blind, I don't think I'd call it a beer. You know, I think I would call it a cider. Yeah. Hmm. I'm, I'm having trouble. And I think I'd be surprised if there was no apples in here. I would definitely, yeah, because I don't taste strawberry per se. Mm -hmm. I taste the apple, um, pear, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool though. For fruited beer, put it put it in with your you know how do you rank it with other fruited beers? I think it ranks pretty good because it it, I think it plays the fruit very very well. I think it it plays the fruit well, but I don't think it compares to other fruited beers. I think that. The cidery notes. I'm I'm not a I'm not an anti cider person, but um, the cidery notes don't. I don't think they complement as well as they should. Okay. I think that it gives it a little bit of a a little bit of an off place, a little bit of an uh, acidic kind of a little bit of a vinegary tone. It does. Ha- I mean, that, it does have that acidic. I wouldn't say acetyl acid. You know, acetic acid, but it does have um, some citric acid type tone to it. Something in there. It's 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 tart. There's some tartness to it. Definitely, we didn't talk about that. But it, like saying it's like an apple cider, it definitely has some tartness going on in it. I, I miss. I, I'm not tasting that buckwheat honey. That awesome depth that I got in the first sip. I can't get it anymore. Yeah, I'm, no, I miss I'm, it. I'm, I'm getting something vinegary, and I think that here is an instance where that. Vanilla actually might have helped. The vanilla that was in the first beer oh. might have helped round out <laughs> that that bit of of vinegariness to that I'm getting. And you know, if if it worked the same way, I don't know what it would have. But if it worked the same way and it kind right. of coated the mm-hmm. the outside of the flavor, it would have taken away the the puckeriness, and it would have balanced the beer maybe okay. a little bit more. Yeah, the last couple of sips I had of mine, well, the aroma now that the beer had warmed was a lot more honey, a lot less strawberry. Do you get that now? Because before I was smelling mostly strawberry, but now I'm smelling mostly honey. Yeah. Yeah, so that that had changed as the beer warmed and opened up. I like that. I'm not sure I'd buy, you know, a case every uh, four times a year when it comes out. But for summertime, I'd definitely get one. If you were, if you had celiac disease, then... Well, if you have celiac and you like beer, you're just getting more and more options, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
there's now at least four readily available options in this market. You can get the the Bard's Tale, you can get New Wrist, you can get Red Bridge. Now this will be out four times a year, and I think there's another one that you can get on occasion too. So, huh? It, it's it's interesting. Um, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I kind of like. Well, while you're on the fence, let's take a brief intermission. Let's do that. We hope you enjoyed the intermission. It was fun. <laughs> On to our next beer. Which one would you like to do next? Um, let's go with the second dogfish. Okay. This is a beer I just picked up at one for the road. We had some CBR money. So I decided to buy, splurge a little bit. And this is a $20 dogfish beer. This is Tahenkit. And it's brewed with a bunch of stuff I can barely pronounce. Za Atar, Dorm Fruit, or Dome Fruit. In D-O-U-M. ancient form of wheat, the loaves of hearth baked bread, flavored with chamomile, dom palm fruit, and Middle Eastern herbs. Interesting. To, fer- to ferment this, they traveled to Cairo, set out baited petri dishes, and captured a native Egyptian Saccharomyces yeast strain. Oh, crazy Sam! You so crazy, and you're drinking it. Recommended dogfish head snifter. It looks like so. Yes, I am. I'm drinking it in a, and you're drinking it in a mad elf snifter. Another amber color. This one has, to me, it has no head to speak of. You have a little bit of a head. So since this is a $20 beer, I'm going to take a second here and recap it right now. It's... Excuse the uh, the cap bottle jingling. It has a very grainy flavor, or aroma rather. Looks like there's a cap already in there. <laughs> Can you double cap a beer? No, that won't work so well. All right, Cat. We can enjoy the rest of that beer another day. Very grainy. Grainy aroma. I'm not oh, that, picking up. It's a little musky. Uh-huh. It's like... Oh, there's all kinds of things that I'm not sure what I'm smelling. It, it's... <laughs> It's musky, it, it's a little wet leather, or wet canvas, something like that, so. Right, yeah, I like that. Um, parchment. 
Oh yeah, like a papery type thing, like a, a really old book. Hmm. Interesting. Tahenket. So need wild Egyptian yeast, huh? <laughs> and what's the D O U M dome fruit? The dome palm fruit. Let's look it up, shall we? To try, this this beer is as clear as is the last one, so uh, almost definitely filtered. Especially since you don't expect wild yeast to flocculate very well and drop out of the beer. The so dome palm is a tree grew in Nubia, produced a large fruit called the dom nut, which is exported to Egypt and used in cooking. There's something else that's just pulling at the edges of my vocabulary. I'm like, what is that reminiscent of? It's a pretty, it's a pretty out there aroma, isn't it? Though, I mean, it's it's pretty unlike anything I can think of in beer. It's, um, it's almost. I don't want to. I don't want to say soily because that gives a connotation of it's some kind of very pungent plant though or something right it's like mulchy maybe like it's not quite so i was was thinking so i was thinking soily right before you said it but i kind of discounted because i was thinking it was more like some herb or um is it is it polony is it like i'm trying to think if i've ever like Took a good whiff of a palm tree. I think it could be like, like, because there's like all that pollen up there. I'm like trying to think if I ever got a good whiff of that. It's been too long, so I don't have recognition other than this this thing nagging in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, that's the palm tree. Yeah, it's it's pretty unique. I mean, smoky hay. It's got okay. So yeah, there's this. It's like this. There's a bunch of undertones, smoky hay, with a touch of mint. Or some other spicy thing that's a little like a little, like a little up note mm-hmm. on that. You know, there's like a little minty thing or wintergreen in there. Right. Huh. It's very interesting aroma. Much more pleasing than the last one, if you ask it, me. It's a. It's something that we just kind of want to sit here and keep smelling to try to figure out. It's it's confounding, really. Oh, there's a little bit of like incense in there too, like frankincense or something. Well, chamomile. Chamomile. Okay, is that a big part of incense? It's. I don't actually know. Actually, I, isn't it a flower? I don't know. I have no idea what's in. You know the the incense that they use. I mean, they make chamomile tea. Yeah, I've never had chamomile tea actually. Um. It's a daisy-like plant. So I don't know. That is so tea. That, that that's that's an excellent. Ing- I've got. How come we didn't come up with that? It's, it's too. It's so more aromatic though. It's like tea. I mean, I have like a basil tea at work. This Hindu basil tea, and it and that is you know not even like this is more out there than that. It's. I don't it's wonderful, but it's confounding. I'm going to take a sip. It's just been way too long. Yeah. 
the flavor adds to that kind of meal with a bit of a a bit of a honey. Um, or adds, I'm sorry, the the the, the, the smoky head. That, that that palm nut thing that's in there. You get this nutty flavor in the aroma and the flavor too. Yeah, it's I don't, but it's not. It's not a nut I've ever tasted type flavor. It's like, but I know that's in the nut family type thing. Maybe it's... Oh, that's so unusual. I'm like beside myself trying to figure out what the hell I'm talking about. It's not a fatty nut like a walnut. I'm like, almonds are the closest thing I can think of, but it's not as sweet as an almond. It's... (laughs) What the hell? Um, like a smoky Brazil nut. I'm at a loss. I'm, I'm really at a loss here. It, it's it's hard to describe because I'm thinking of a nut, and maybe that's not the right way to go in terms of of describing the flavor. Maybe I should be thinking more along the lines of nutty kind of flavors you get like in cheese. So. Kind of how Parmesan has a nuttiest flavor. Um, it's so herby, though. There's so much herb influence in there, but I can't really pick out what. It's just aromatics. The the the, the essence is is this herb. It's not sage. I mean. You know, the reason why I bring What's up cheese, the, I don't bring up cheese. What, Majorum or whatever that is? How's that? I think maybe that's kind of ballpark. I'm not sure. But as Garrett, uh, as Garrett is so fond of saying, cheese and, and beer have very similar roots. Cheese is made from grass, gone through a cow. Through a cow, right. And beer is made from grass without the cow. So they're grass. Yeah, you know, the roots are still grass, mm-hmm. and it's it's you know it's coming through here. I think an, an interesting connection. I think this would go well with this would go well with a sharp cheese like a feta. I think something something salty. I don't want to get into the whole cheese or food pairing thing because there's so much to explore in this beer. We usually pull out the food thing when the beer is hard to talk about, or I mean, like when it's lack, you know, when it there isn't much to talk about. When you're lacking descriptors, I, well, you know, that's the thing. It's it's an exercise. We have to come yeah. up with new yeah. things. Okay. I mean, like we already talked about parchment and old books and, and wet canvas, right? I mean, that, so I'm happy that we came up with those, but let's do better. Let's. The the incense thing keeps coming back to me. I don't know what the incense is that's typically in the the Catholic masses at Lenten time. Is that frankincense? I, I don't know, but it, it's it's like that, but a little more maybe grassy. It's, maybe it's the the beer the label and the idea that I know it's come from Egypt, but there's something here that has me picturing a desert a sort of sandy environment a, a um i think that's what they put the palm trees into my yeah my mind a little bit ago even though at the time of egypt's rise it was not 
I also it was not saw, a desert. I mean, I it, was, saw, um, it was a very lush area. Not that you can smell anything through TV, mind you. But I saw a Dirty Jobs a while ago where um, Mike was fertilizing date palms. And it's this pollen, like these huge pollen sacks, and this stuff gets everywhere, right? So you could just imagine this big pollen y aroma type thing. And imagine this kind of grassy, sagey pollen type okay, thing. Okay, okay. You know what? Thinking of palm trees leads me thinking about coconuts. And I can taste an essence here that is somewhat similar to coconut. Now, the palm tree that makes a coconut is obviously different from the palm tree that makes a date palm. However, since they're related on some level, they probably use similar compounds in their fruits. And I'm detecting something that is somewhat reminiscent of coconut oil. I'm not sure I can draw the connection all the way to coconuts. But I'm not saying you're full of shit. I'm just saying not sure I can draw the connection. This is so fascinating. This... I would love to sit down with Sam or Brian <laughs> and just talk about this beer, talk about the flavors. Because they've tasted the raw ingredients, right? Right. So they could help us figure out where the shit comes from. This is one of the most complex things I've tasted in a very long time. There's there's a lot here. There's a lot to, to try to sift through in a very good way. This is I don't have a complaint. No, not not at all. This is this is not a oh I'm gonna drink five of them beer. This is a beer you sit down with and you contemplate and you try to discover. This this is not a beer this is a beer that you put your full attention into. You don't drink this while you're having something else. You drink this and you ponder the beer. Wish I had Sam on speed dial. I'd call him up right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little late. Craft beer never sleeps. There was a, a story on NPR yesterday about Ohio and how their booze sales is way up. But they got into um, Ohio distilleries have like doubled or tripled in number. And then about like how there's double or triple the craft breweries and they were talking to um great lakes brewing you know our friends up in cleveland there the guys have had 30 they had 30 percent growth last year and they're gonna have 25 percent growth this year they had like 70 employees that's insane growth that's a big growth yeah so uh cheers to great lakes and and you know we had the elliot ness just read well we had the variety pack and all the beers are good but I drank up the Elliot Ness out of the variety pack. It was better than I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's a Vienna lager. It's hardly a beer that's exciting, but oh, I was so in love with it. Oh, I want to. I want to have its babies. <laughs> <laughs> Take it behind the school and get it pregnant. <laughs> I didn't say that because I didn't want to overuse it. Because um, we talked about that a little. You know, I don't know about six, seven months ago. Did we? Um. Maybe it was longer than that, but when I was uh, 
hanging out with uh, Sean from 21st Amendment, he would use it, he used it several times that night, and he probably got it from 30 Rock, and uh, and I used it on the show after that, so I, I didn't want. <laughs> Mm. This is the Tehecate from uh, Dogfish. This was the last bottle on the shelf at, at One for the Road. And I know it's been there for quite a while because I passed up the price tag, $20 here in western Pennsylvania. Um, the last time I was in there, I just didn't want to drop the bones on it. Uh, I'm not regretting the price because it is so complex. and It's know, also not going to get you wasted. 4.5% alcohol by volume, 7 IBUs. Yeah. And it, you know, as long as... You know, the, the diminishing carbonation from recapping it doesn't really kill the experience. You know, I'll be able to enjoy this, you know, two or three different times. So, it's Indeed. not too shabby. And heck, you have the equipment to actually infuse it with more carbonation. I'd have to actually pour it into a new vessel, and then you got to worry about oxidize. Mm. So that gets complicated. It's, it's just easier just to recap it. All right, so the last beer of the evening. And... You know, if it wasn't for the dogfish, I would say, you know, the most anticipated beer of the evening. This is a beer from The Brewery out in Orange, California. Orange County, California. And this is Batch 50 of GFAR. These came from... We had a whole bunch of great brewery beers from Super Mega Fan Gary. So he was Super Fan Gary. And we had a couple of Super Fans. But Gary was the king of the Super Fans. But Gary has graduated to Mega Fan. <laughs> he sent... He he visited the brewery a couple week, last week. A week before, and picked up a bunch of stuff for himself, and he sent us a case, twelve bottles of all limited release stuff. Amazing! Amazing Check out our stuff. Twitter. I mean, I I can't thank Gary. Gary, I can't thank you enough. I am speechless at your generosity. Absolutely, and we appreciate it. And and that's the other thing. I'm like, oh, we want to drink all. Like Greg's like, put them all in the fridge. We're going to drink them. Like I think it would really be a It'd be wasteful to drink several of those beers yeah. in a show. So we're going to spread them out. Well, my point was not necessarily I want to drink them all, but put them in the fridge oh, yeah, so yeah. that they'll be ready. Yeah, and then you know we had to you know pick and choose how we're going to do these. So we'll be sprinkling them into the next few shows, next many shows. Oh, and this is, like we said, the Batch 50 uh, GFAR. Do you have what GFAR means? Grand Funk Ale Road. Oh, nice. Now, um... In January 2009, a home brewer and microbiologist named Al Buck won our Batch 50 homebrew contest with this incredible, pretty complex Who's Style Ale. Um, so they played with it. It wasn't easy to recreate. And three years later, they were ready to release Batch 50, uh, brewed in the classic Belgian Who's tradition. Barrel aging, blending multiple vintages of lambic style ale. Well, they said this couldn't be released until they brewed it as their fiftieth batch, but it couldn't be released till well after the three hundredth batch due to the complex aging and fermenting process. So one time only release, five point eight percent alcohol by volume. So that's a long time that they had this beer yeah. in production, and keeping a beer in production costs brewery money. We know the guys from the brewery. We uh... we were lucky enough to hang out with them for a day. We talked yeah. about this, but quick recap for people who don't know. Uh, that's a fun story. I'll tell a brief version yeah. of it. It was like the night before we were flying out the GABF. 
And our plan was to rent a car and drive to a couple breweries. Right. And on Twitter, I saw Rick Sellers retweeted the brewery. Because I guess I wasn't following the brewery at the time. Rick Sellers retweeted it. He's like, they had a contest. Like, first person or something to, to be at the airport. Like, let us know if you can be at the airport at 1130. And you can get on our in our limo. And they toured, we, we toured uh, for, uh, New Belgium, Odell's. Avery. Avery. Yeah. And so we got to hang out with Patrick and all the guys from the brewery, guys and girls from the brewery. And uh, they're really down-to-earth people. Um, you know, there's, what do they say? You know, craft beer is 99% asshole-free. But Patrick Rue is one of the most down-to-earth guys that I've known. And, like, I, I don't, yeah, I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to slight anyone else, but, I mean, I just couldn't believe how cool he was. So. But if this beer sucks, we're going to tell you, Patrick. Yes. But it doesn't smell like it suck. It doesn't smell like it sucks, does it? <laughs> it doesn't smell like suck at all. So this is a guse. A, um, sort of a classic lambic without, without fruit. Without fruit, right. Um, spontaneous, typically spontaneously fermented, but, you know, they may have inoculated it with something because they don't live in the Seine Valley in Belgium. Right. Oh, my goodness. So it's, it's tangy and tart in the aroma. It, it smells like what you think a Cantillon would smell like or something like that. Right. And it's really hard to... I mean, let me try to put some words to that, but I mean, that, that's the benchmark, right? Think of, like, Cantillon Goose or... Um, and just think, yeah, it smells a lot like that. And then for people who don't know what that smells like, let's try to put some descriptors to it. It's it's a... Almost a a, a funky vinegar. It's... It's not super, super acetone. You know, it doesn't have a bunch of the. Um, it doesn't, you know, inflame your nostrils yeah. like so vinegar maybe, does. So maybe, yeah, like okay, so like a citrus vinaigrette or something. Um, it's not a perfect analogy. It's not a perfect. And the the best description I can give, really, is 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 somewhat mossy, um, in terms of the aroma. It, it it's sort of a a moss. Vinegar. Oh it, so it smells delicious. It has it has these earthy components with with some slight grassiness, just slight. Yeah, it's not really funky. It doesn't have any barnyard or fecal or horse blanket or leathery. It's right. none of that. It's this acidic, cit- little citric, but earthy, grassy, a little hay, but really tart. I think it's flavor time. It's by the way, the color is a it's a yellowish gold. Yeah, it's a little little dark gold, cloudy, very cloudy. Cannot see through the beer. You can t- you can you can see the shadow of your finger through the glass. That's about it. Oh, what's interesting? Oh man, that's 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 very nice, isn't it? So when it started off, I was thinking it's not exactly like what I think of for a goose. It had some of the characters that like a Flanders would have, and then 
and then it pops and it pops and it gets citric (laughs) and orangey and dries out and now i'm just salivating like like a hungry dog it's it has this this this, um you know i talk about stories in here it has it has a a through line still telling a story i just got this meat flavor like like cooked meat, like uh, like a steak type. So an umami, an umami comes out. Right? Yeah, like a like a hamburger. Yeah, <laughs> got this hamburger flavor. So wow, that that is so so it gives, so it starts out with a sort of somewhat reserved, maybe kind of tart orangey, and then like you said, it, it opens up, it like a flower just goes, whoo, and then all this tartness, all this 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 big huge sourness comes in, and then tapers off. You're left with you're left salivating, and then this umami, this this deep, uh-huh. um, you know, this deep unctuousness. Oh yeah, comes through. Yeah, so I don't want to take my second sip. I want to. I kind of want to do the play by play like Greg did for the first one. I said when I took my first sip, it kind of like oh, it's not goozy. It's more Flandersy. So let me try to describe that. Um, Flanders red. I mean, if I'm trying to simplify it enough, it's more sweet tart than it is sour. Sure. Would you agree? So there was kind of a sweet tarty. Well, type. It, it it depends on the Flanders. Okay. Rodenbach would be an example of yeah. something that's more sweet tart. Yeah. So it had that kind of sweet tart thing to it. I'm like, that's unusual because it doesn't match the color. You know, it just. But, you know, I was thinking they do the um, the oud tart right, which is their Flanders, and maybe some of the production techniques were similar. Right, so I was thinking, so maybe that's why it was a similar flavor, but yeah, like you said, it just it bloomed, and it got drier and a little tangier, and it big orange citrus came up through, and it it, it kind of just it's like a firework, just kind of like flaming out, but just like mellowing out, and then yeah, that that umami. I had a hamburger recently that had fennel seeds mixed in with it, and there's something in that. I'm not saying there was a fennel flavor. Maybe there was, but there was just something like that meaty flavor came up, like that umami you're talking about. Oh my god! Wow, that is fantastic. Is it? <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's pretty excellent. They, this is blended. So they 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 went for this. Oh, is it okay? You know, this is not. I didn't pull up the page for this. One. This is not um, what came out of the beer initially. This is what they went for. So they sure. they designed this beer to have this story, and they designed it exceptionally well. It's oh, insane. Grand Funk Ale Road. <laughs> I like that. Okay, come on, get me to the real page. It's um. Yeah, I can send it to you. Oh, I'm almost there. I was just hoping Google would deep link me right into it. Hmm. Insane. That's uh. It's remarkable. It really is. Well, are you ready to rank? (laughs) What a show. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'm ready to rank.
Um, number one, the brewery, Grand Funk Ale Road, batch 50. Number two, um, to Hank it from Dogfish, which is the hard luck loser of the batch. Because that was... How can be a hard luck loser at number two? Because in 99% of my shows, it would kill everything we tasted. Um, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, number three... I liked them both a lot. Um, so I'm comparing between the Tweezin' Ale from Dogfish and the Arius from uh, Drylog. Oh, I know it doesn't matter. No one cares which one I pick first, but I will pick... Pick the Arias third. It had a little more staying power. The end of the glass was engaging me a little bit more than the end of the glass at the Tweezenail. Um, wow. This is the uh, second episode in a row where I completely agree with your rankings. Not. I guess I'm getting better. Not totally surprising. I mean, when you <laughs> when you think about you know the, the quality of beers that we've had tonight mm-hmm. and. You can kind of tell, at least in the first and second, it was it was fairly obvious. The third and fourth were the ones that were kind of iffy, but yeah. I, I was not as excited about the. Um, yeah, my 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 fourth beer was a lot closer to the third beer than yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, no, the no trees problem. and ale than I was about about the uh, Ayuris. 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 So, something like that. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Uh, let's move on to the post show and drink some more Grand Funk Dale Road. What do you say? You know, I'm down for that. All right. See you all next time, unless you like to tune into the post show, if that's that's the way you swing. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah, the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. They never say what you can't hear.